Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we wanted to continue our discussion on the doctrine of grace. This is part three on the doctrine of grace. And as we defined in our first episode, we talked about uh, grace being God's unmerited favor, uh, the extension of his altruistic act, an extension of his uh, nature rooted in love. It's because of who God is, his grace extends to all of us. So when we last uh, were together, we discussed the promise that rests on God's grace. There's a promise. And that promise was first initiated through the a dynamic between God and Abraham. Uh, the Christian inheritance, or what we inherited as Christian, is a shared promise which was given first to Abraham and then all of the blessings uh, received from God are built upon this concept of grace. God's unmerited favor. Abraham, uh, he displayed his gratefulness If you all remember uh, through the scriptures, Abraham displayed his gratefulness by leaving the comforts of his home and moving to a place that he had not been had not been revealed to him. The narrative concerning this sacrifice uh, of Isaac further crystallizes Abraham's gratitude because he trusted God and had experienced his grace. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his only son. This is an example of how grace triggers gratefulness. Again, this is an example of how grace does trigger gratefulness. God created the environment for us to know him. And in us knowing him, uh, we're able to trust him because of who he is and what he's done. And as a result, uh, we realized that uh, we should have been destroyed. We should have been um, dealt with more severely. But God extends his grace, his, uh, his ability to forgive and absolve us of our sins. Uh, but that is based on God's definition of repentance. The contriteness of, the, of humanity and humanity turning away from their sins and turning their way to God. And as a result, we experienced God's grace. He, uh, he gave us Jesus. And this is why John 3.16 is so important. It's more than just a bumper sticker, right? It's more than just um, a montage. It's, it's more than just uh, signs that we hold up at sports games. John 3.16 is the core 
scripture that deals with God's grace. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but should have everlasting life. For God gave his only monogenic son in the Greek, his only unique son, uh, that whosoever believing on him should not perish but should have everlasting life. That is grace, the essence of grace. Uh, God, uh, God's law um, would have demanded that we be destroyed, but his grace through Jesus covers us. So we not only... Uh, talk about the promise that rests on grace, the promise given to Abraham, which rests on his grace. And we all are, uh, Abraham is the progenitor of the human race. So we all are beneficiaries of that covenant between God and Abraham. Whereas God showed Abraham grace, we all are recipients of that promise. So we also stand in grace. We stand in grace. Christians should stand in grace through faith, Romans 5 and 2. Paul writes, through him, we have all obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The verb stand in this text is used in the perfect active indicative, first person plural sense. This passage should be translated We have also obtained access by faith into this unmerited favor in which we all are caused to stand firm. Christians must stand firm in God's grace. We must not waste any of our time on things that are uh, not holy, on things that are inane, on things that have no substance. Um, It's interesting. Now more than ever, uh, we're seeing uh, believers uh, post things on social media that they wouldn't articulate in person. In many ways, uh, we commit more sin on social media platforms than in real life. So we have to stand firm, not just act holy at church, but holiness must proceed through us in whatever we do. Whatever we do, indeed, whatever we do through our conversation must uplift Jesus Christ. So Christians must stand firm in God's grace. Remember, we owe God something. We are indebted to God. And because God didn't utterly destroy us, We must learn to be grateful. And gratefulness is not posting things online that brings other people down. Gratefulness is not posting things online uh, that tears other people's reputation apart. Gratefulness is not posting things online that spreads gossip. Gratefulness is not Uh, Getting in other people's affairs. Gratefulness is not being entangled in worldly affairs. Gratefulness is us bringing the gospel to those that we come across. Those that intersect with our lives. 
if we are going to show God that we're grateful for his grace, we have to embody that. We, we, we have to display it. It's not just lip service. If we're grateful for God not penalizing us with utter destruction, which means every day we wake up is a sign that God has not given up on us. And we thank him for that grace. We, we deserved punishment. We deserve the sentence of death. But God's grace through Christ pulled back God's judgment that we may be covered by his blood and experience the relationship which brings forth righteousness, uh, peace, joy, love. And so we can't just talk about gratefulness. We must display it. We must inhabit it. We must uh, go forth and let others see the Jesus in us. So as Christians, we must show our gratitude by standing in God's grace through using our time wisely. Ephesians 5 and 16, how do we redeem the time? Paul indicates this is done by being wise, verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 5. Then we must think soberly, verse 18, singing spiritual songs, verse 19, and finally giving thanks to the God, to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, verse 20. This passage in Ephesians chapter 5 is a perfect illustration of gratitude based on an understanding of God's grace. Again, it's a perfect illustration of gratitude based on our understanding of biblical grace. Then not only was there a promise that rested on grace, not only was there the doctrine of standing in grace, but there's an abundance of grace. Grace is also abundant. Romans 5.17, as we look at this text, there's plenty of it because God has no limitations. His essence, essence is grace. Right. God does not uh, uh, does not have grace. He is grace. So as a consequence, we as Christians would never be without the grace of God. Second Corinthians four and 15. The profession of Christ would not be possible without God first sending his son, as I alluded to in John three sixteen. In addition, the more sin that exists, the more grace is accessible to overcome it. Romans five twenty. Christians have the unique access to power that allows them to overcome addictions, emotional pain, and various other psychosis, 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. The reality of this privilege should, should usher in thankfulness. What Christians have is a special relationship to the authentic God, which yields supernatural powers so they may conquer all of life's issues, Romans 6 and 14. And even though uh, these passages show us the limitations or lack of limitations of God's grace, we cannot take it for granted. We cannot take it for granted. And Paul poses this question when he asks, uh, shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? God forbid. Those of us that are um, grateful for what we've experienced are not going to abuse this privilege because, again, we had a life sentence, a death sentence, and uh, God, through Christ, 
give us an opportunity for his hands to be stayed so our uh, our penalty wouldn't go through. So because of that, I'm thankful, and I and I and and part of being grateful, th- part of being thankful, means that I'm not taking what God did for me for granted. So if you're saved, we cannot say that we're saved, but yet keep living for us. We can't say that we love God, but yet refuse to go all the way with God. Um. These days, and I know that it's been going on since the first century, uh, since the beginning of time, but in these days, uh, we have those that James warned about in, in his letter. Uh, James talks about can bitter and sweet water both exist? And the answer is no, right? We can't say we love God, but yet we are tearing people down. We can't say we love God but yet refuse to share his his gospel. We can't say we love God, but yet refuse to pray. We can't say we love God, but yet refuse to donate toward godly causes. We can't say we love God, but yet not practice biblical principles in our homes. We can't say we love God and not raise our children in the admonition of the Lord. We can't say we love God and not exhibit godliness so this concept is very very important then the next aspect of grace is that we're chosen by grace the bible tells the believer that god had predestined us to experience god's everlasting love romans 8 and 29 while we were yet in our sins christ had already died for us romans 5 and 8 this act of god sending a savior for all of humanity it's built on his grace. Christians have been called by his grace, Galatians 1.15. This type of grace is so grand that it does promote a response of gratitude. God loved us so much that he extended the overture to join him in a loving relationship. And let me say this while we're on this topic. Uh, there are those in Christianity who talk about uh, God's grace and being chosen. There are those uh, who talk about uh, being predestined and how we are predestined, the process of predestination. Uh, One group say uh, that we have no part in us being uh, in Christ. Uh, So basically God just basically overrides our will and saves us. We have no part in it. Then the other part, or the other group rather, says, well, it's humanity who's primarily responsible for us being saved. We, uh, as human beings, uh, our will uh, basically starts the process or uh, compels God to save us. Right? These are two extremes. How does God's sovereignty work alongside uh, human will? And the biblical view is that we're chosen, but yet free. We're chosen. God predestined us in a sense that he knew who would accept his son. He knew who would become part of his, of his uh, family 
but yet he doesn't override our will. We accept God freely. If we didn't, then we wouldn't have free will. Uh, if he did, if we didn't, uh, we wouldn't have, uh, what, uh, we, we call, uh, the ability to freely exercise what our decision is. This is why, uh, when we talk to people, I always caution individuals about saying that, uh, God is sending someone to hell. God is not sending anyone to hell. When we reject the gospel, we choose to not accept his invitation. We're the ones making the decision. God extends the invitation to the wedding party. And we have the will or the opportunity to accept the invitation to become part of his family or to reject it. This is why it's so important that all of us go and share the gospel. All of us go and share the invitation that God loves them uh, but God wants us to also accept his son. So it's very important in times like these that we share the gospel, that we share uh, what Jesus can do for them, that uh, uh, we give people an opportunity for them to have a loving relationship with Jesus the Christ. So not only are we chosen by grace, we also strengthened in grace. We are strengthened in grace, the strength of the Christian is rooted in grace. Second Timothy two and one. Without God's favor, the Christian will have no strength. They will be spiritually impotent, as well as vulnerable against the wiles of the devil. The believer has strength to tame their tongue, to abstain from fornication, to refrain from gossip, and to do the work of the Lord. This type of strength comes from God. Based on his grace, he has released the Christian from uh, surrendering to their sinful ways. Reflecting upon uh, the power given by God uh, compels all Christians to say thank you to the master. Uh, Theologian and pastor Tony Evans of uh, Oak Cliff Bible uh, Church writes the following. He says, with God's grace... He also supplies whatever you lack in order to get you where he wants you to go. God has already taken our limitations and humanity into account in supplying you with his grace. He knows your weakness and has already calculated that in. You can discipline yourself. Again, that's Pastor Tony Evans. So you can discipline yourself. Uh, Christians should not walk around talking about I can't help it. Uh, my parents were that way. I'm that way. And as a result, I can't help but to keep perpetuating this behavior that's blatantly contradictory to Scripture. So we don't have any excuses. God has given us access to all power. We need to tap into it. So whatever your issues are, God has given us access to power. For us to overcome. Gratuity of God's grace through service is another aspect. There's no better example of a Christian displaying gratefulness in light of God's grace than the story of William and Catherine Booth, the husband and wife team that started 
You know, please pay attention. It's, it's the husband and wife team that started the East London Church Christian Mission in 1865. Their objective was to show how grateful they were to God by ministering to the disenfranchised. Their motto was to administer soap, soup, and salvation. Today, we know this organization as the Salvation Army. The Booths fully understood the concept of God's unmerited favor, and as a result, it impacted their lives. This effect of experiencing God's grace taught them how to be grateful. This is grateful, uh, this gratefulness was shown by the way they responded to those who needed help, who needed assistance. In addition, it cost them something. Grace came at the cost of Jesus having to shed his blood. So likewise, for the Christian to show their gratitude, it will cost us something. Personal sacrifice have to be made at times when one attempts to duplicate the grace of God. These sacrifices may come in the form of time, sleep, and material riches. Despite this reality, the Christian is assured that God will take care of them if they follow him. Matthew 6, 30 and 34. The next person who truly embodies gratefulness due to God's grace is the servant of Calcutta. Many know her as Mother Teresa. While on a train ride from Calcutta to Darjeeling, she received inspiration which would change her life as well as those she served. This story is told, uh, is told on, on the particular train ride that she was able to better understand a thirst for pleasing, pleasing Jesus by helping others. According to her biography, God instructed her to establish a religious community dedicated to serving the poorest of the poor. On October 7th, 1950, the Missionaries of Charity was officially established. She responded to God's grace by helping others. The Christian can not only be hearers of God's words. Thinking about his grace should force the servant of God to participate in those things that are important to God. Uh, grace compels us to uh, engage in good works initiated by the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of good works in our society today. There are uh, millions, if not billions of dollars poured into charity. But this is not what we're talking about. Uh, every good work that we do it's a signpost or should be a signpost for a greater message. Uh, we shouldn't have uh, just charity work without talking about Jesus, without giving people an opportunity to share the gospel. Because of our reaction and our gratitude to what God has given us, our primary objective is to introduce Jesus to other people. So if you're going to feed the hungry, Make sure that you have an opportunity as a Christian to share the message. If we're going to give away clothes, uh, make sure that we have an opportunity as a Christian to uh, ex uh, share the gospel. It is the gospel that saves, not the works. So it's okay to work. Let's not forget our primary objective, which is to introduce Jesus to Christ. Well, our time uh, has again come to an end. And we will continue this doctrine of grace uh, for our next episode. I'm hoping that you are being edified. And may you continue to do for the truth what so many do for a lie. And again, uh, please join uh, those that support this uh, particular ministry. 
if you are led by the Holy Spirit, please give as he puts on your heart. Go to srministries.org. Again, may the Lord be with you. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.